Hello, and welcome to the Nonfiction Authors Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Nonfiction Authors Association. It's a supportive community where writers connect, exchange ideas, and learn how to write, market, publish, promote, and profit with your nonfiction books. Matt McWilliams is living proof that one can pursue one's passion in life and do so while making a profit as well. He started his first online business in 2001 at the age of 22, and today he's one of the leading online business teachers. In the 19 years between his first venture and living out his passion and purpose, he's worked with more than 300,000 online business owners while running affiliate programs, product launches, and ebook launches for entrepreneurs. He also works with small business owners, solopreneurs, and wannapreneurs on how to start the right online business, scale it, and eventually go full-time with it. Hi, everybody, and welcome. I'm so happy to have Matt McWilliams with us today. I have been on Matt's mailing list forever. He always offers excellent value, and unlike other lists, I've never been tempted to unsubscribe Matt, so maybe (laughs) we'll talk about that a little today. Wow. Yeah, I know. As we discussed your, uh, your, your specialty, turning passion into profits, with your author business. So welcome, welcome. That's, uh, that's kind of like one of the coolest endorsements ever, Carla. Uh, You've been on my list for a long time and don't unsubscribe. That's cool. Thank you. But first you're a new author. So I want to congratulate you on the launch of Turn Your Passions into Profits, the proven path for building a rewarding online business. Yay. Thanks. It's it's been a really exciting process. Um, I mean, it's, uh, we've helped so many others launched their books, uh, launched a ton of bestsellers and, and done, like I've been on that side of things. And like, you know, I told people, I know what I know and I know it as well as anybody, if not better, but I don't know what I don't know, you know? And so this whole journey, as I know, I know many of your listeners, anybody who's published a book knows there, there really is, there's so much you don't know going into it. And I keep learning new things every day. Like, Oh, oh my gosh, we got to do Amazon ads and Oh, we got to do this. And Oh shoot. I totally forgot about like, we have all these people committed to bulk orders and we didn't have a mechanism in place. Like I was so naive. I thought they were going to go to Amazon and order, you know, order them one at a time, 300 times. No, you actually have to work through a company like, you know, and I'm not endorsing any particular company. We can all, you know, we all know who they are. Like we got to go work through that company. So I'm like emailing my publisher frantically, like, Hey, I've got this guy who wants to buy 300 books. How does he do it? You know? And so it's been so funny, like this whole process, like all the stuff that just happened on the other side that just happened. And as far as I knew, I didn't care. Now I care, you know? So I'm, I'm turning into the worst nightmare for our team because I'm like the client who's freaking out about everything and I'm, you know, all over the place and I'm micromanaging when I never do. And, and it's, it's, I mean, they're cool. They're super chill about it, but it, it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes. There is a lot that you don't know until you go through the process yourself and, you know, getting the printer for bulk sales and doing the POD thing and having a publisher or selling direct is all, it's all a mystery until you go through the process. Um, and I know, uh, you know, both kinds of authors and nonfiction authors who are creating a business with their books mm-hmm. and the business people like you who are writing bo- books to, you know, convey what you know and boost your authority. They're going to get a lot of t- a lot of value from this. And first is time management. I mean, I, you've done this for other people and now you're doing it for yourself. Um, author entrepreneurs 
you know, we ran out of time. Uh, how do you prioritize time and still, you know, create those newsletters and those posts that people never unsubscribe from? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, full disclosure, you know, I, I was diagnosed at a very early age with ADD, you know, um, I had childhood epilepsy, the, uh, you know, my, my, my neuro, uh, psychologist said, you know, many years ago, Matt, your synapses fire seven times faster than the average human beings. And so what that means is I have seven times more input, like whoever's listening to this, I have seven times more input happening at any moment. Yes. It's scary to be in my head. <laughs> and so focus and, and productivity are very challenging for me. Now that's not an excuse, you know, that's not an excuse. And so to give you some perspective, writing the book, uh, I've been talking about this for eight years, mm-hmm. eight years. Like, why did I not write it sooner? I was, I was in that 88% of the people, 87% of the people who say they want to write a book and never do, you know, 88% say they want to write a book and less than 1% do. Well, I was, I was there and I kept being there and I kept being there. I kept being there and I'm not diminishing the negative impacts of the pandemic, but we will all admit that, you know, all of us who made it through, most of us experienced some positive you know, I went hiking more than I've ever went in my life. That was amazing. Why? Because I couldn't go to stores. I couldn't go to the movies. So we went hiking, you know? I mean, like I had no interest in hiking. Now I love hiking. I think hiking's amazing. I would have never discovered that. But one of the things that I did toward the end of it, we had a little bit of a slow period as I started writing the book. I finally had the time. I had a few weeks and I started writing it. Well, here's the thing. I only got about a third of the way through. And then I hit the busiest season I've ever had professionally in my life. Our company was blowing up in a good way. We were scaling rapidly. We had three new hires. Um, you know, we actually four new hires in like a couple of months period. We had a big product launch with one of our clients, you know, well in excess of $7 million. And I was still heavily involved in that side of the business. And I went to our... Um, to our ops manager, our operations manager, Robbie Miles, who's also a productivity guru. And I said, okay, Robbie, here's the deal. I've got a lot of momentum with this book, but I'm only a third of the way through. How do I do that? I can't not, I can't pause it for four months and come back. I know what'll happen. I'll sit there with a one third completed manuscript for the next eight years. And I'm never going to get this book out and it's going to eat at me. And it's it's probably going to kill me. I'm going to be dead at 50 just because I never got this book out. And that's not, you think, well, that's a little bit, you know, extreme there. No, I think it, I think it could you know, cause it was eating me up inside. And he said, well, can you write for 20 minutes a day? I said, yeah, man, I, I can find 20 minutes. I can get I can, 20 minutes. I, we're not talking about getting up three hours earlier. Yeah. Get up at five in the morning. Sure. You know, if that's your thing, get up at five in the morning. It's not for me. I'm a seven fifteen person, you know, but could I get up at six 55? And he was like, well, how long would that take? I was like, well, you know, in an hour and a half, I'm writing, you know, close to 2000 words. So, you know, I did the math. I'm like, I can finish this thing in three and a half months at 20 minutes a day. So here's what I did. Carla, I set my timer for 17 minutes. At the end of those 17 minutes, it went off. That meant I had three minutes to do the following, tie up any loose ends and type my notes for the next day. And I found that was key. When I came down the next day to write for 17 minutes, I already had my outline for the next day. I didn't start with a blank page. People talk about writer's block. Writer's block only exists if you have a completely blank page. It does not exist if you've made the notes, you wrote the outline, and your subconscious is magically working on it for the next 24 hours. I can promise you I never started with a blank page. So I finished up. If I finished up in 30 seconds, then at 17 and a half minutes, I was done, and I got to work on my other stuff. And so it wasn't an issue of like trying to find the time. I just made the time. Before I did anything else, I came downstairs every morning. The first thing I saw was the Google Doc 
nothing else was open. And that was it. And I started writing for 17 whole minutes and finished that's, the book. That's awesome. I love that advice. I love that. I think Hemingway did that or something, you know. Just I, like I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the after. first person. <laughs> uh, that is but, great because that not being faced with a blank page is amazing. And, and I guess, um, you know, you have been able to put out small chunks of content like blog posts and short podcast episodes and things like yeah. that. Um, and I, those are easier for you. So for some people, it's easier to write a whole book than it is to do social media, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I can, you know, it's like the, the old saying with uh, the guy put PS, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. You know, I, I, there's some famous guy wrote that. That was, um, yeah, that maybe was Samuel, uh, yeah, that was our, yeah, I know who that was. Yeah. It'll come to me. I'm pretty interested in your attention triggers. You talk about five attention triggers, assert authority and get mm. become known in your, in your field. Can you go over those five things? Yeah. Um, these are some we've been teaching for, you know, 10 years. Um, and they're as true today as they've ever been. Uh, so number one, so ultimately, you know, just to, to back up, right. Okay. To back up, we, we got to stand out in the marketplace first. Once we've stood out, then the question becomes, how do we continually get attention? Not just how do we get attention one time? Like we can get attention. You can get attention with a great cover to your book. You can get attention with one good podcast episode that, you know, is controversial. You can get attention with just one good subject line. But how do you stand out every single time? The first one is a pattern disrupt. All right. So I'll give you a good example. We email, most of my emails come out at about the same time every day on the same days. I very rarely send emails on Sundays. So when I suddenly send an email at 7.30 PM on a Sunday, it disrupts a pattern. It stands out. My audience goes, you know, Carla, you go, huh, that's weird. That's sending me an email on Sunday night. It must be important. And the truth is it may or may not be that important but I'm just disrupting the pattern. Now, usually I do save those for something that is important. You know, so any kind of a pattern disrupt could, are your normal emails really short? Then maybe you have one that's really long. Do they normally not have an image in them and you include an image, you know, something like that that just disrupts the pattern. I was focusing on email, but this can apply to anything, right? Um, the second thing is reward, you know, rewarding people. Um, when I do webinars, for examples, I like to say thank you to the people who were early and I reward them with just a little bit of bonus content at the very beginning. It's only five to 15% of the people, but it, it catches their attention. When we look at the buyers at the end, you know, 15% of the people showed up more than one minute before, uh, 50% of, to 60% of the buyers did. Wow. And I don't know if that's because they were so eager going into it that they showed up early. There could be, you know, it's not a causation, but there's a correlation and I don't have a way of split testing that. But my hypothesis is it's a combination of that. Plus the fact that they felt going before I even said, Hey guys, welcome. They already felt like there was, you know, they already gotten something out of it. The third thing is prestige. Uh, there's a study I talk about in the, the book about, from Robert Cialdini, where he talks about um, this ad that ran back in the nineties and it ran for like 10 years. So any ad that runs for 10 years, you know, is amazing because the, the, the run life of most ads is measured in weeks. You know, the bad ones only last a couple of weeks and they go away. This ad ran for like 10 years and it was an actor wearing a doctor's coat. And he says at the beginning, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. And yet the trust factor, that prestige 
the ad worked for almost a decade because they still associated what he was talking about, some sort of medical thing with the fact that he was wearing a doctor's coat. When I talk, I talk about my clients. I talk about the fact that we've run big launches for Michael Hyatt and Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi, Jeff Walker. We've worked with all these people, Lewis Howes, Brian Tracy, the list goes on and on. Prestige. That's why I say that. Uh, the fourth one is uncertainty. If you've ever seen the, the famous to be continued dot, dot, dot at the end of an episode, you know how uncertainty is a trigger for attention because what happens, especially back in the day when it happened live on Thursdays at 7.30, right? What did you do at 8.01 when that episode was over? You called your friend who also, you know, was watching the same show and you said, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that they did that. What's going to, is he really going to end up doing that? Are they going to do this? Are they like we, that uncertainty, that open loop was an intention grabber and it kept us engaged for months until the next episode came out, if it was that long. And then lastly is recognition. You know, one of the things, good example of that is just calling people out by name. You know, I recognize listeners on the podcast, on the webinars, I call people out by name. I can see a list of their names and I'll just mention them. And, you know, Dale Carnegie said, there's nothing sweeter than the sound of your own name. And so there find ways to recognize people because it stands out and it catches that attention. So those are those triggers. If you can use even one of those in your ad copy, in your, you know, in your emails, in your podcast, it only takes one. You know, like if you try to use all five, it gets kind of weird, but if you can use one, sometimes two, possibly three, okay. then you're going to stand out. I love it. Okay. So three, number three was prestige. And when you were talking about that, I was thinking authority, like even if mm -hmm. the doctor, the doctor, another way of saying it. Yeah. Posing. So a lot of authors are really thought leaders or they could be, but they're hesitant to assert their authority and their thought leadership. I mean, how, how can you guide authors to assert themselves and become that thought leader? Every time I talk about when I say things like, you know, we've worked with Brian Tracy and Michael Hyatt and Tony, like, it feels weird. It and I'll be honest, it never gets better. I am never going to just say those things and not kind of be like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, I am never going to say those things and not think somebody's listening to me right now going, what a pretentious jerk. You know, uh, oh, look at him. He's you know, like, he's just thinking so much of himself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I am never going to feel that way. 20 years from now, I'm still going to feel like I, I shouldn't be saying those names. So Who you're might? just cowering through it. You know, you're just like yeah. scripting it and going, okay, do it, Matt, do it. it. I mean, I, uh, internally. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of what we've accomplished. I'm proud of what I've been able to do. I, uh, I was sharing with somebody yesterday. I did an interview yesterday and he was like, what lessons have you learned from those people? And I said, you know, like for me, one of the biggest lessons I learned, the weirdest thing was sitting there with Kevin Harrington he, from Shark Tank, right? Uh, he was a client of ours for a while. And I got to sit at his table while he analyzed the scripts that we had written for him to do some of the marketing. This is the guy that invented the infomercial. So if you, you know, Hey, Billy Mays here, the George Foreman grill, the Tony little gazelle trainer, you know, this guy has sold billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of products on TV. So he knows a script when he sees one and he knows how to analyze every single word sitting there with him was amazing. Like it was absolutely mind blowing. And I learned so much. So for me to be able to talk about the fact that we've worked with these people and we've coached their teams and we've run their launches and we've, you know, helped them sell 25,000 books or a hundred thousand books. Um, like I pinch myself. And so, yeah, but I'm never going to be comfortable with it, Carla. It's never like something where I'm like, 
I'm never going to not feel awkward. I'm never going to not feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Self, uh, like self-conscious. Oh. Yeah. I'm never going to not feel self-conscious about it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I power through it and I do it because, um, I know that there's, you know, like I have to establish that with people and my mission is more important than, you know, my feelings. So even though it feels uncomfortable, I know that the mission, when I say those things, it opens people's minds to go, okay, maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. Maybe we should listen a little bit. I see. So your mission is important to you. And I think a lot of authors have, most authors have a mission. They've got that book. They just have to write. They have to get that message out. Um, whether it's an internal uh, message or a profitable message about how to grow your business or, Mm -hmm. but you got that first client, you got that first book review. How do you approach a first authority figure, right? And, and, and start that train of working with people who are higher level. You know, I think it'd be easy for me to say, here's how I did it. And this Mm -hmm. will work for everyone. I don't know. If this is going to work for everyone, I can tell you that I've, I've done it and taught it to a lot of people and it's worked for almost everybody that we've taught it to, um, if you actually do it right. So first, uh, if you look at the very first big client I got for a book launch, for example, uh, a guy named Jeff Goins and Jeff had his previous book had sold about 3000 copies. He had a new book coming out called the art of work. Now I'm listening. I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward. I'm listening to a book now, or just finished listening to a book called great by choice by Jim Collins. And he talks about the role that luck plays in business success. And he compared companies that did really well and companies that did not do well, that were at similar sizes, you know, 20 years before. And they found that luck, all of them experienced luck, good luck, bad luck, all kinds of luck in equal proportions. It's how you react to luck. So here's the thing. I just happened to see one day that Jeff had tweeted out and said, I'm looking for stories of people who found their their career, the, the job they love. And I like to interview for my book. Well, as you know about Twitter, there's about a hundred tweets per minute in my feed probably. So the odds of me seeing any individual tweets are roughly 2%. Let's go high and say 5%. So there's a 95% chance I would never have seen that tweet. Was it lucky that I saw the tweet? A little bit, but I could have seen it and went, eh, cool tweet and moved on. No, but I took action. So I reached out to Jeff and I said, I'd love to be interviewed for your book. And he interviewed me. And from that interview, he knew that I ran affiliate programs for some big companies that I was working with at the time, but I wasn't working in the entrepreneurial space, the space that I really wanted to work in. I was doing more like corporate stuff, working with like Adidas and Shutterfly. And I didn't even mention to him that I wanted to get into working more with people like him and Michael Hyatt. My my wife had asked me, who are your dream clients? And I listed five people and I told her, I'm never going to work with any of those people. Like, that's not my thing. Years later, I've worked with four of them. There's only one missing. And I actually, believe it or not, have a connection to him now because I just found out that his grandfather's name, last name was McWilliams, and that the guy who runs his marketing is one of my dear friends. (laughs) So we'll we'll see if that- every angle. Yeah, we'll see if that turns into anything. Like Mm -hmm. he's been a dream client. I never knew any of those things. But so then Jeff reached out to me and said, hey, I'm launching this book. Can you help me? And I said, absolutely. Sign me up. And we signed him up and we worked with him. And I'll never forget, he came to me and said, man, I got to tell the publisher- how many books I'm going to sell? Last book sold 3,000. What should I tell them? And I said, 15,000. And Jeff said, I can't tell them 15,000. Did you hear me? My last book sold 3,000 books. For, like, I can tell them 10, maybe. And I said, Jeff, either tell them 15,000 or I'm not working with you. He's like, well, fine. I'll tell them 15,000. We did 22,000 pre-orders. Excellent. Wow. But it started, here's the thing. 
with being available. And then secondly, that email that he sent to me saying, could we talk about running my book launch? This is, this is the thing. We both promoted Michael Hyatt before Michael was a client. We both promoted Michael. Jeff finished one spot ahead of me on the affiliate leaderboard. I sent an email to him and said, great job. Congratulations. You know, it was awesome competing with you, blah, blah, blah. I really didn't know him that much other than I, he'd interviewed me for his book. It was that email that he responded to. So that give, that compliment, mm-hmm. and that interaction on Twitter, and the comments on his blog, and all the things I'd done for three years before were ultimately what led to him working with me. When we worked with him and had success with his book, that opened up the floodgates because he told 50 people. And they all wanted to work with us. And then the rest is history. (laughs) And there's several things about this that I would like to model for Mm. nonfiction authors, because you've got a landing page. Uh, You've got sort of an, I don't know if you have an affiliate thing on here, but you have uh, some bonuses and all of that. Can you model this for our authors? Yeah. um, I mean, again, you guys can check it out. Actually, I, I would just encourage people to, we've got a, a, yeah. a special URL for your listeners, Carla. And you've got a, oh, you do? Oh, thank yeah. you. Okay. Um, and so let me find that here, actually. <laughs> um, I think so you've be... got three things that I'd like to talk about. The URL, yeah. the, the affiliate link, you know, for us, your deadline yep. and your giveaways. Right. So it'll be, it'll be, uh, let's see, passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash Carla. Guys, there's some extra bonuses there. So, we'll, we'll, but I want to talk about the the funnel specifically. So, I want to pull open the page because you know I'd love to say that I was the mastermind behind this page, but I wasn't. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, if if you look at the page, depending upon when you look at it, um, right now when you go to the page, you know we've got a little bit. There's actually we're running a couple split tests right now, so you might see a slightly different version. So the version I'm looking at. Um, the book is on the right. There's another version where the book is on the left and you think, whoopity-doo, what difference does it make? Well, there's some different text, and we're split testing headlines and doing all that stuff because conversions matter. And I tell people all the time, Carla, I'm a, I'm a good marketer. I'm not a good marketer because I'm smart or I know more than you, or I've read more books or I have more experience. I'm a good marketer because I test everything. And the cool thing is we'll run the split test for a week. At the end of the week, the thing that works better, we get to keep for the next year. The thing that didn't work, it only lasted a week. So I get to be wrong 50% of the time and still make a ton of money. You know, so just that's the thing about Mark. Split test everything. Split test, you know, change change one word in the headline and you never know if that can make a one or 2% difference. You know, and then change the button color. Change the, you know, the cover facing this way or that way. Uh, just change everything you can think of. Do something where you're, where you're doing kind of a, uh, of silly face or, or in one where you're doing like an aggressive face and one where you're doing more of just mm-hmm. a normal, you know, standing still type face. doesn't matter. So, all right. So we and go I to just the page. Cut in here just for a second. And yeah. I know a lot of authors, they aren't web savvy, but a lot of website building tools allow you to do the AB or split test. And you yeah, can also you easily hire an assistant or somebody to do this for you. Um, I know all the website savvy stuff and now we didn't have to know any of that for this. It's all drag and drop these days. Yes. You guys have no idea what it was like 20 years ago to build a website. <laughs> it was so hard. It was, I had a book that was like 600 pages long that had all the stuff in it. Now, like you don't know how to go. Oh, how do you center the text on this thing? You just Google it and it tells you how to do it. Super easy. So, so we've got okay. up at the top, you've got the book and you've got a, 
some buttons that say, you know, we talk about the pre-order bonuses um, mm-hmm. because there are $785 in exclusive pre-order bonuses. Uh, then we've got, you know, the, t- the endorsements, you know, we got Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, Dory Clark, Michael Hyatt, Susie Moore, John Lee Dumas, and so John Acuff and so on. And then there's an area to get the book. You can buy the book at any major retailer. I mean, if they sell books, they, they sell the book and we have links to there, but then you come back to that page to claim the pre-order bonuses because it's like, well, how does the affiliate who sent traffic to this page make any money? So what happens is you fill out the, the bonus form there. And then when it takes you to the next page, which is an offer that, in, that uh, enhances the book itself. So for instance, when you come to the page, the incentive for them to go to this page is the pre-order bonuses. The incentive for them to get it now, the scarcity is the pre-order bonuses. We've got you know, a bonus on there that kind of takes part of the book a little bit deeper. Another part where I talk about how, hey, I would have loved to have included this in the book, but we had to cut the manuscript from 117 down to 80,000 words. So this is part that got cut. I'm going to give it to you as a bonus, but you have to buy here. Like you, if you just go to Amazon and look up the book on Amazon, you don't get these bonuses. So then when you claim these bonuses, there's a few things that you that end up happening for the customer is we'll offer you some additional things that you could purchase. That's number one. From our standpoint, now we're collecting the email addresses. So on launch day, when we launch the book, the next day we can send an email and we even know what retailer they purchased through. We know the big ones. It's like, it's like, uh, yeah, it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Books A Million or other. 99% of orders are going to be through those first four. You know, 80% are going to be through Amazon. So we can specifically say, hey, thank you for buying the book through Amazon. Would you be willing to tell others about the book? Here's the direct link to do that. Um, so we, we're now able to, you know, boost reviews. We're able to boost um, engagement. We're able to even do things like, especially right now when we're doing this, it's the Christmas season. Hey, you purchased the book. Do you maybe know a couple other people who would like it? And we're running a campaign that if you pre-order five books, we'll send you a signed copy right away. Like we will put it in the mail today. You'll have it in three days. You can be reading a physical copy long before anybody else will. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things that we can do because we're actually capturing the email addresses. And then there's one last thing that I'll, I'll point out that that we did uh, that's been a big deal on the page was we were, we were reading the book Influence by Robert Cialdini as a, as a team. And I've read that book five or six times. I mean, it's a foundation of marketing, right? But um, one of the things that one of our team members said when he, that he caught that I, I just didn't catch when I read it this time is he's like, you know, one of the things that was just the, the usage of, um, you need, you need, you need, basically you need testimonials from average people, not just, oh yeah, Kevin Harrington, the guy who's worth a billion dollars says this, Dan Miller says this, Rachel Miller, you know, Jonathan Milligan, they all say nice things. These are guys running seven figure businesses. They say nice things about the book. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have so many people that have got that's been through the same process that the book teaches, and we have none of their testimonials on oh, the page. Wow. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I've been around for 20 years and I still make a mistake every now and again. And we were like, get those added right away. And we were adding those. And so that's just a little tip for everybody. Like, make sure you put quote unquote average people's testimonials, not just the best-selling author of such and such endorsing your book on your page. It's a great model. Thank you for that. And I cannot sure. believe we're out of time. Uh, I'd love to talk to you some more after the book launch. 
Um, so Love why to. don't we just end by where we can find you online, your podcast, your programs, your courses, your affiliate program, and the URLs. Yeah. Um, you know, if you guys are listening, obviously you're into podcasts, you can check out the Affiliate Guy podcast. Um, I would look up the ones that I've done specifically about book marketing. Um, I've done a couple that'll help you with book promoting your book, but also some uh, how to work in affiliate offers into your book. Cause we all know you don't make very much from your book itself. So how do you increase that value per book an extra two, three, $4, which if you're selling enough could be a pretty substantial amount of money. Uh, so I've got some episodes, you know, totally free that'll walk you through that. And then the, the next best place is that URL I mentioned earlier, you know, passions into profits book.com forward slash Carla. I got tons of special stuff there for your listeners, Carla. So you can buy it anywhere. You know, if, if you just want to skip all that and don't want that, that's fine. But I think you'll be glad you uh, you went to that URL. Yes. And it ends, the offer ends January 10th, I believe. So. Yeah. There'll still be some special stuff for your listeners. There, okay. there is, there's a couple of the pre-order bonuses that are time bound. Uh, mm -hmm. Like we're doing a Q and A with everybody. Obviously I can't do one of those every single week for in perpetuity. Right. So that'll be only for the people who pre-order by January 10th, they'll get a special uh, event with me, but, um, but yeah, there'll still be a bunch of bonuses up that you can't get anywhere else uh, for your listeners, Carla. Thank you, Matt. And I know it's Pleasure. the holidays. It's your launch time. You know, it's end of the year. It's a lot. So I really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to be our guest. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks, Carla. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Please check out our podcast page where we post a transcript and show notes with links to all things Matt McWilliams at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com. You can just put Matt's name in the search box to find it or look at the podcast tab. And please subscribe. The podcast streams live weekly with monthly top replays from our archives of over 400 interviews. Find out how to listen or watch at nonfictionauthorsassociation.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for our mailing list to get reminders of all kinds of good stuff nonfiction authors need to write, publish, promote, and profit from your books. Meantime, keep writing. Really, the world needs your experience and expertise. Thanks again. Hey, just a couple more things. We have some great sponsors for the NFAA and for the Nonfiction Writers Conference, including lulu.com. Check them out. Looking for a better way to grow your brand and business? Lulu can help. Use our free platform to publish in all of the best-selling formats, including hardcover and coilbound, and connect to our global print network to sell your books directly through your own website. Lulu's e-commerce integrations with Shopify and WordPress allow you to sell your books your way. Create a free account today at lulu.com to get started.